Father, we thank you for this most holy day. And I pray that you will bring to us a remembrance of that which you have done for us and that which you continue to do. Lord, cause us to come into your presence. We ask in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. Well, I'm earning my money today. What a pleasure it is to be of service. On this most holy day, I want us to consider the birth of human babies. We've had several the past few months here at Christ Church, and we joyfully await more. Right, Ashley Davis? <laughs> Maybe today. <laughs> now, we all know that birth is a miracle. Today, let's talk about the miracle, a miracle of flesh and blood Christmas, a Christmas miracle. And in uh, the spirit of full disclosure, I must say that much of the thought or some of the thought and, and the words that I use here today are from a, a source that I use often, Mr. Ralph, Dr. Ralph Wilson, Joyful Heart Ministries. So I can't take all this credit. But how many times this past few weeks have you heard the following comments? Christmas is getting together with family and friends. Or it's about giving. Yeah, and I've heard some say it's about getting. Christmas is about trees and ornaments, Santa Claus and toys about Rudolph and his nose so bright. Christmas is about last-minute shopping in stores with long lines and full parking lots, or for some of us, anxiously waiting for an Amazon delivery. But so many people miss the real meaning of Christmas. Christmas is about Jesus and the multiple miracles of Jesus' birth. Now, we know that birth itself is a flesh and blood miracle. The umbilical cord is cut, the baby's mouth cleared, and she lets out a cry, sometimes a loud and very persistent squall that lets the world know she has arrived. Then he is given to his mother, and all around, even veteran obstetricians, experienced labor nurses, and wizened midwives smile and enjoy the moment and think to themselves, what an amazing miracle birth is. The birth of Jesus of Nazareth is a miracle on a number of fronts. First and foremost, I suppose that here is another healthy baby boy born to an exhausted young mother and a father so proud he can burst with joy. Jesus has those tiny little fingers and toes and wisps of jet black hair on his scalp, still a bit misshapen from its traverse down the birth canal. It's a miracle, of course, that Mary, the infant's mother, is a virgin. The New Testament account is very specific. Mary and her fiancé have not yet 
slept together as husband and wife. But an angel of the Lord, you remember, Gabriel by name, announces to Mary that she will be the mother of the Messiah, that her son will be called the son of the highest, and that his son will be conceived in her not by human means, but by the Holy Spirit of God himself. In a very real, physical sense, Jesus is the Son of God. Christmas is about the miracle of the Virgin Mother. It is a miracle, too, that Joseph believes Mary. A man, even a man in love, finds it hard to understand how a fiancé can be pregnant without him. Jesus, or jealous creatures that we are, men are inclined to believe the worst. Joseph, too, is visited by an angel who tells him that the boy will be called Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Joseph's continued love for Mary and her child is a Christmas miracle in itself. It's a miracle of sorts that Jesus is born in Bethlehem. His parents, after all, are residents of Nazareth, four days' journey north. The only thing that could have brought about such a last-minute journey is a court order. And that's what Joseph has received, a summons from the royal court of Augustus Caesar to appear in his ancestor's birthplace for a census. Since Joseph is a direct descendant of King David, he returns to the town where David had been born and cared for the sheep on the surrounding hillsides. We may remember the prophet Micah said, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. And so God arranges a trip for Mary and Joseph, a rather inconvenient trip, I might say, for a woman nearly full term, a trip to fulfill a prophecy, a miracle trip. It's a miracle that on this birth night, shepherds who are outcasts, unclean, unreliable, individuals from the very hillsides of Bethlehem file into the stable where a baby and the mother now rest. The shepherds tell of, of heavenly visitation as recorded in the gospel we read today where it says, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Now the shepherds go and view the stone cattle manger where the baby lies sleeping. And as the angel, yes, exactly as the angel had told them. And they recall for Mary and Joseph at the close of their visitation by the angels, when not just one, but a huge army of angels, rank upon rank, thousands upon thousands, Join in a heavenly chorus singing, yes, shouting the words, Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth, goodwill to men. Another miracle is that Jesus was first laid in a manger. Think about that. 
The swaddling clothes that enfold the baby Jesus were not unique, but the manger is. It's a vivid symbol of the poverty of the baby's parents and their poor accommodations. The crude manger sends an astounding message that God is willing to humble himself from the height of glory, not just to king's palaces, but to descend to and become the poorest of the poor. The miracle of the manger is in God's unfathomed humility. It is also a miracle when the baby Jesus is born. His star appears boldly in the winter sky. The wise men from the east see it and know that it signifies the birth of the king of the Jews. It's a miracle that these wise men and their servants travel on camelback nearly a thousand miles to see the child, that they bring gold and frankincense and myrrh, and that the star leads them to the very house in which the Holy Family is living, that these wealthy princes prostrate themselves on the dirt floor before the young child, these are miracles of the star. But the greatest miracle of Christmas is that this squalling, tight-fisted, tiny newborn is God himself entering the human plane. And women always knew it, but I think now that several generations of fathers understand also that birth, especially the birth of one's first child, is a pretty gutsy affair. There is the prolonged labor, the transition phase where rational women lose their composure, and then usually through great exertion, the baby is expelled from the mother's womb. The baby's head crowns, and then a slightly blue face appears followed quickly by shoulders, and the baby emerges, slick and slightly bloody, and precious, very precious. Birth is primitive and human. The final product of the human reproductive system. It is skin upon skin and attended with stress and pain. The child is no store-bought doll, but flesh and blood. Very much alive, and at the most basic level, a new journeyer on earth. The miracle of Christmas is that the God of infinite glory and radiance should become human, should even want to bind himself by bodily limitations. But this is the truly remarkable miracle of the flesh and blood Christmas. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Philippians 2. Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Let's be perfectly clear about this. Jesus is not a human pretending to be God, nor God pretending to be human. But Jesus is fully divine and fully human. Jesus is 
the God-man. So when we view the newborn Christ child seeking nourishment at his mother's breast, we are viewing God himself in human flesh. It is an awesome miracle, a miracle that brought amazement long ago to both Mary and Joseph, participants in the miracle. And in this newborn, flesh-and-blood baby boy, we view the miracle of miracles, God becoming flesh. As theologians would say, God becoming incarnate, literally in flesh. We even know the purpose of this miracle of incarnation. The angel told Joseph, you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people. He shall save his people from their sins. It is only by becoming human that God can offer himself as a fitting atonement for sins committed by us very human sinners. The miracles of Christmas are never-ending. The Christmas story continues. The flesh-and-blood baby grows to be flesh-and-blood man. And on the night before he is betrayed, he takes bread and blesses it and says it is his flesh. He takes wine and blesses it and says it is his blood. And the very next day, his flesh is torn and his blood is shed to save us, his people, from our sins. What is Christmas all about? It's about Jesus and that amazing day when God himself came among us as humans as a flesh and blood baby boy. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.